We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Special guest joining me in Fachi today. It is Coach Tony, Tony Adrania. Uh, Tony, you are a great follow on Twitter. That's where I connected with you at. I love seeing your breakdown of film on prospects coming to uh, IU. I guess we call them prospects now. I don't, I don't know what you call them, recruits coming to IU. And there's been so much stuff going on with the transfer portal and all of that, but it's NBA draft season. And I thought it'd be great to have you come on and just talk about not only the IU guys, Trace Jackson Davis, and Jalen Huchifino, but Zach Eady as well, because these are all three players that are in in the draft right now, and there's a good chance all three could get drafted. So let's start here with Trace. I, I think that Trace is probably the most familiar name out of all these three. Father, Dell Davis, you know, former Indiana Pacer himself. What do you like about Trace's game, and how how can it translate to the NBA? Yeah, first of all, just want to say thanks for having me on. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, always love talking some Pacers hoops. Um, you know, I'm a diehard Pacers fan. Um, you know, don't I don't uh, get into the X's and O's as much on the NBA side um, mm-hmm. as I do in the college game. Uh, but, it, you know, obviously it's at a very sophisticated level um, for, for NBA folks. Um, but, you know, with Indiana now having an NBA coach, um, you know, they kind of have an NBA style that they play. Um, so excited to, to talk about some prospects here that, um, you know, Indiana or the Pacers could look at, uh, in the draft, but starting with Trey Jackson Davis, like you said, um, you know, he's, he's really intriguing to me. And I actually tweeted the other day, I was like, Trey Jackson Davis is going to mess around and be a first round draft pick. Um, you know, he's a guy that to me, he is like the, the prototypical, like, or he's the mold of like what an extra year of college did. Um, you know, he's a guy that probably would not have been on most draft boards last season had he stayed 
um, in the draft, which was pretty much his plan. It seemed all along was, look, his, his time at IU was great. Um, he was ready to move forward, start his professional career, um, and then caught COVID at the combine and didn't have an opportunity to really do anything. Um, and so he definitely wasn't going to get drafted. And so he came back to school and really showcased, um, you know, a little bit more to his game and, you know, not the jump shot, which is what a lot of people wanted to see uh, this season. But in terms of what he's able to do, I mean, he, he's first of all, he's an absolute bucket getter at the college game. Um, you know, he could put the ball in the basket from the low post at will. Now, as we know, that's not really a trait most NBA teams are looking for, especially from somebody that just measured six foot eight at the combine. Um, but what I love about his game is he's athletic as all get out. Um, and that's something that he really kind of uh, grew into. You know, he, he kind of was like a giraffe on roller skates when he came into Indiana his freshman season. And he really developed um, a, a nice athletic bo body and build. And, you know, somebody that can play in the pick and roll and catch lobs. Um, he's somebody that can screen well. He's somebody that in the college game could protect the rim. I don't know that NBA teams would necessarily ask him to do that. Um, you know, moves decently well laterally. Um, you know, the, the big question mark with him is the jump shot. Um, he, he quite literally did not take, I think he took one three-pointer his entire college career, and it was a shot clock, into shot clock situation. Um, you know, at six foot eight, that's certainly something that teams will be looking at. You know, I, I saw some of his combine film, and he was stroking it pretty good, and his, his form looks good, but, you know, it was I think it was 67% career free throw shooter, so you know, it doesn't project well to be like a great shooter, but, you know, guys can transform their games once they get up to that next level. But overall, I mean, he's he's a high motor player, somebody that, um, you know, I think a contender is really going to want to get their hands on because he is somebody that can contribute right away at the NBA level and doing little things. And, and like I said, just absolutely competing with the second unit. You know, you talked about the jumper in three point Lance specifically, obviously, you know, Attempted very, very few, didn't make any in college. However, during the recent combine, at one point in the shooting drill, was 9 of 12. Made 11 of his first 16 before kind of slowing down, ended up finishing 12 of 25 in three-point drill. Do you think the shot could eventually come on the next level? Because we've seen players like, for instance, totally different player, but like a Brooke Lopez early on did not shoot a single three for years in the NBA, and then eventually developed into a very good three-point shooter. So do we think over time, could that three-point potential could be there? I actually do. Um, you know, in, in terms of what he was able to do in the low post, you know, he was he was almost a 60% um, shooter, I guess you say shooter, or, you know, his, his field goal percentage was 60%, um, you know, in post-ups. And, you know, if you translate that to, you know, a, a – points per possession basis from the three-point line and, and and or even, you know, a 15-foot jump shot, you know, you're talking about 40-some percent he would have to do to contribute the same level on a points per possession basis. So basically what I'm getting at is he was so dominant in the low post, Indiana would have been crazy to really ever have him vacate that. Um, you know, they ran their offense through him in the low post and, you know, they scored at will, essentially. Um, you know, they had the 20th best offensive efficiency in the country, which was up from about 60th um, the previous season. And it was primarily because of him and what he was able to do in the low post. So the jump shot is certainly a question because he didn't take a lot. But to me, he didn't take a lot because he just didn't need to. Um, and, you know, 
you you could I guess knock Indiana for that for not showcasing that he was able to do that a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, Mike Woodson's checks are signed by Indiana, and he's going to try to do what helps Indiana win. Um, and you know, it, ultimately, it's going to help Trace Jackson Davis get drafted this season when he probably wouldn't have last season. So, um, with that said. You know, he's got good form. Like I said, you mentioned the the numbers at the combine that he put up um, were impressive. Um, you know, he needs some time on his jump shot. It's not like a quick release or anything. It's going to be after something where he picks and pops and, you know, two guys go with the ball handler and he's, he catches it out on that wing and, you know, he's going to need some time to fire it. Um, but I think where he can immediately contribute is kind of in that pick and roll, catching lobs, um, hus- you know, defensive guy that can can guard multiple positions um and play in the post he's strong so i think the jumper can come in time um i I just i can't say it with a ton of confidence just because i haven't seen it in a game setting literally ever yeah and i'm kind of curious because yeah the shooting he's he's not great at that right now it's not something that's part of his game but we had bob kravitz on uh just you know a couple days ago and basically he was saying we always talk about what he can't do but what he can do is so much greater and i think you talked about it. His effectiveness in the pick and roll, I think, is going to be huge in the NBA because there's a lot of pick and roll. I, I love the playmaking ability that Trace brings as well because he sees the floor well. He has really good instincts. He's got long arms, and I think he's got a really soft touch as well. So how can that translate into today's NBA? Because we're so focused on, oh, can you shoot threes? That's today's NBA, you know, threes and lamps. But there's so many other players that you need that can do the small stuff, and I think that he could really be an asset because of that. Absolutely. His, his passing, um, you know, took a, a huge step forward this past season. You know, his um, assist rate was around like 15 percent. It was uh, second on the team. Um, and, and, you know, where he's really effective is, um, you know, in the pick and roll is, you know, you see a lot of NBA teams run it too. They kind of do the short roll um, where the guy will roll to about 15 feet. They throw it to him and then they basically let him make decisions from there, whether he wants to attack the basket or he can dish. Trace is a great decision maker. Um, and, you know, so him being able to be in that short roll position too and then get the ball in his hands and allow him to make decisions, especially against probably primarily second units, at least, you know, in his, his first few seasons, um, I think will help as well. But like you mentioned, great decision maker, um, very smart, um, savvy. Uh, he was the leader of this Indiana team um, the, basically the last three seasons. Um, you know, he also is somebody that, you know, he's not afraid to step, uh, you know, to step into a challenge. You know, he very easily, when Archie Miller was fired, could have hit the portal. Any number of teams would have, every single team in college basketball would have gone after him. He could have sought out greener pastures and, you know, he, he stepped up. He actually entered the portal, came back to Indiana uh, once Mike Woodson was hired. And, you know, essentially the last two seasons, while, you know, a lot of people will laugh at it that, you know, the farthest he made it was the round of 32. It was a place that Indiana hadn't been in a decade. Yeah. And so, you know, he led the team to that. And he was, like I said, the team leader the past three seasons. So there's certainly intangibles there as well that teams will pick up on, especially in interviewing him. He's a great kid um, that I think will, will help him continue rising up draft boards. You know, you're talking about rising up draft boards, potentially, you know, messing around, being a first-round pick. The Pacers have picks 26, 29, and 32. So you're talking about the tail end of the first round and the very beginning of the second round. He's got to be in consideration in that range. 
if the Pacers were to select him, I mean, how do you uh, how do you envision that pairing working out? You know, maybe long term. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be pretty cool. Um, you know, for like that's every kid in Indiana's dream, right? That grows up playing basketball is. I mean, for me, it was play for Indiana University and play for the Pacers. Like when I was a little boy, that was what I wanted to do. Um, so for him, a kid that's that's homegrown, uh, you know, grew up in Greenwood, Indiana, to to be able to play for uh, Indiana University and then be able to be a Pacer, like just the coolness factor of that is is really neat. Um, I would have to imagine he would somebody that would embrace being a Pacer, which, you know, let's be honest, not everybody in the league does that. Or would do that. So I think that is a huge win in that sense as well. And then, you know, he, he, it would, it's funny. He would be probably one of the older guys on the team almost immediately, um, <laughs> uh, as a, as a rookie. Um, so, you know, maybe can, uh, can bring a little bit of life experience, um, while also learning, you know, what life in the NBA is like as well, uh, from some of these young guys. But I would be certainly be excited. Um, you know, obviously Trace has a lot to prove. Um, you know, you, you kind of talked about a lot of people talk about the things he can't do. Um, I'm sure that's fuel to his fire and, and motivation to to go out there and prove folks wrong. And like I said, he's a worker. Um, you know, he's he's not somebody that's going to shy away from a challenge. And I think that uh, would be exciting for for Pacers fans. Yeah, I definitely think he would fit Carlisle's system and just I think would be a Carlisle guy because of his work ethic. And I'm sure they've had constant communication with Mike Woodson. So I think there's a relationship there as well. But uh, I do want to transition now to another prospect that's out of Indiana, probably the guy that's going to get drafted first out of these three we're talking about, and that's Jalen Hitchafino. You know, freshman year at IU, standout point guard, really had to step up and take over that role with uh, Xavier going down with the injury, Xavier Johnson, I think. So, you know, with him having that breakout game against Purdue on the road where he basically carried that team to that victory, just a lights-out player, really smart defensive player as well. What do you like about his game, and where do you think you know his perfect range is at in this draft? Uh, Jalen Hutchfino essentially, like you mentioned, saved Indiana's season this past year. Um, you know, veteran senior point guard Xavier Johnson goes down um, against Kansas. You know, uh, before Big, Big Ten season pretty much even started. Um, you know, that's that's nerve wracking, I'm sure, for the Indiana staff to basically take that basketball and hand it over to a true freshman. And say this is your team, run it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously Trace Jackson Davis was there, but he's not the guy that is getting the team into the offense and, and running the show. Um, and you know, like I mentioned, Jalen Hutchfino saved the season for Indiana, and you know, he's somebody that everybody was excited uh, to come in to the Indiana uh, roster coming into this season. You know, fans were excited, but he was never anybody that was like flashy in high school. Um, you know, he was always the guy that just made the right decision, um, you know, makes the right pass, you know, one more um, things like that, where a lot of it doesn't show up on stat sheets necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, from somebody that watched this kid run the Indiana team for the better part of maybe 30 games, like he is such a dynamic playmaker, um, you know, a lot of like hockey assists type um, stats and things like that. But you know, the biggest thing with him is he's he's six five. I believe he's got like a plus seven um wingspan or something insane like that. Just tremendous length. Um, you know, projects so well at the next level. And, and you know, to be honest, uh, it's 
it's something that I have to kind of temper IU fans' expectations, or not even expectations, but like there's a little bit of revisionist history already being written about Jalen Huchifino because of where he's going to go in the draft. He's not going where he's going to go in the draft because of his college production. It's because of his pro potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he had some games where he absolutely struggled. He had a game, I think, where he went one for 14 um, against maybe it was Rutgers or, or something along those lines. But, you know, he had some stinkers as well. Um, kind of came on to the national scene, as you mentioned, playing at number one Purdue uh, in-state rival and just absolutely taking it to him and taking it to him in – a way that a pro player would, you know, he went out there and basically said, I'm the best player on this floor. And he beat Purdue in a number of different ways off of ball screens. Indiana ran a lot of zoom actions. They Purdue played drop coverage with Zach Eady and Jalen Hujafina would pull up from 15 feet and, and knock it down. Then the next time down, he'd hit him with a hesitation move. Zach Eady would commit and he would go get a layup like things that NBA teams were just probably drooling over. Um, that he was able to run a team like that. And, you know, so he's just somebody that he's just scratching the surface mm-hmm. based on just the tool, physical tools and gifts that he has. Um, but he's also extremely smart, um, a high basketball IQ. Um, it's very clear after just watching him for a short amount of time that he's got that. And, you know, that's what is, uh, I think, any team that gets him. And then they go back and watch his college film. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying fans, obviously the front office is going to watch this film before they draft him. Um, but you know, fans of whatever team drafts him, they're going to go back and watch it and be like, Oh my, like mm-hmm. this kid is oozing potential. And I, you know, I think that's why he's perhaps a potential lottery pick. Um, you know, and I've seen him as he's around like 20 or so, but, um, some teams going to be very happy that they pick Jalen Huchifino. Yeah, I, I do see a lot of mocks that have him in that 20 range, give or take. Um, obviously, a lot to like about what we saw in his freshman year. Also, some things that were left to be desired, rightfully so, when you're a freshman. But with the deadline to withdraw from the draft being May 31st, do you think that he's locked into this draft? Or do you think there is a scenario where he could benefit from coming back for one more year, similar to what you mentioned of a Trace Jackson Davis in terms of what he was able to achieve by coming back to school? Yeah, I, I think he's gone. Um, you know, I, I don't see uh, a scenario where he comes back to Indiana and it, um, you know, is able to really up his draft stock uh, too terribly much. Because like I mentioned, it's this draft is primarily going to be on potential and, and, you know, what he was able to showcase at times at Indiana. But, you know, a guy that, um, you know, it seems, you know, unless something uh, goes awry is, is going to be a first round pick guaranteed. Um, will be tough to walk away from that, I would imagine. Um, all indications that I've heard are that um, he's locked into the draft process and, um, you know, really, really enjoyed his time at Indiana. Um, you know, I, I think a huge part of, um, you know, who he is as a person has been coming through in this portal season. You know, he's he's gone from Indiana. He's not going to play for Indiana anymore. He only played there one season. He's been calling recruits, telling them go to Indiana. He's spoken extremely highly of the Indiana program. Um, at every chance and every turn that he gets, um, you know, and in turn, that's obviously helping the IU staff in terms of recruiting. Um, so I think it just speaks volumes as well to just the type of person that he is, uh, fiercely loyal. And, um, you know, it's it's obviously something as an Indiana fan, I, I was happy to have him for that season. and would love to have him for three more. Um, but, you know, if, if we can't, at least he's out there 
uh, grinding on the recruiting trail for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you can tell Mike Woodson has had an impact on these young players. And really, I think him having that multiple years of experience as an NBA coach, getting them for, ready for the NBA, that's something he has uh, that other college coaches don't have. So I do think that's a big part in the recruiting and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you got to give credit to where credit's due, and that's Zach Eady, National Player of the Year. Obviously, they went out in a dramatic fashion in the first round, falling to a 16 seed. But, you know, this is a this is a team that Purdue, they've had their ups and downs in the postseason type of play. They play a certain style under Matt Painter. But you can't take away the great season Zach Eady had. And it's really tough because you're if this was 10 years ago, Zach Eady's probably a first-round pick. But because of today's NBA, it's is he going to get drafted? And, and and there's a question mark like you asked, Fachi, about Huchifino. Could, could, could he go back to? To Purdue, which I think might make more sense, but at the same time, I could see him getting drafted uh, probably in the second round, mid to late second round. What do you like about Zach Eady's game, and do you think that maybe people are underselling what Eady could actually be in the NBA? Yeah, you know, you it's funny as you mentioned, you know, it, 20 years ago, he's probably the number one pick in the NBA draft based on <laughs> what he was able to do in the college game. Look at Ashim the beat, number two overall pick. I mean, times have changed. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, poor kid. (laughs) That's a lot of money as the number one or number two NBA uh, first round draft pick. But, you know, I actually really like Zach Eady's game. And I think if that's it's even possible to be underrated as the national player of the year, um, I do think he's underrated in some of the things that he's able to do. And, And I'm happy for him that he's able to kind of showcase some of that at this combine. Um, you know, I, I saw some people were um, impressed with uh, some of his agility drills. And then, you know, we're talking about a guy that's seven foot three without shoes, 306 pounds with a wingspan of seven, ten and a half. Um, you know, that plus seven wingspan for a seven foot three guy um, standing reach of nine foot eight. Like that's that's insane um, and unheard of. And then to have the skill on top of that. Um, you know, is is very impressive. Now, obviously, his knock is going to be getting guard ball screens. Um, you know, in the NBA at this point, a lot of switching on those ball screens. You know, teams will play drop coverage here and there, but, um, you know, a lot of teams are wanting to switch everything. Um, you know, can a Zach Eady keep somebody like, a you know, a Chris Paul or a Tyrese Halliburton or whoever that may be in front of him? Um, you know, he never really did that at Purdue. They all played almost... 100% drop coverage based on his deficiencies there. So those are things that he's going to have to showcase um, here, you know, in workouts and things like that for NBA teams. Um, you know, but it, what I always say to people, because I've had some Purdue friends that have talked to me, like, what do you think he does? Um, you know, everybody's saying he's he's coming back. Um, you know, Purdue scheduled a game in uh, Canada for this season, um, you know, because of Zach Eady and his Canadian roots. And they're like, surely he's coming back because of that. And I'm like, well, I, I doubt he goes back just because Purdue scheduled a game in his home country. But what I always say is, you know, it takes one team to tell him, we will take you mm-hmm. and we'll give you a guaranteed contract or, you know, we'll um, give you this opportunity at a two-way or whatever the case may be for him to say, you know what, I'm going to forgo my uh you know, going to Purdue and I'm staying in the NBA draft and I'm going to pursue this dream that I've got. Um, you know, at the same time, if he's not getting that feedback to his agent, 
he has a great he has a great situation at Purdue waiting on him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's gonna make almost a million dollars or more in NIL money this season. Um, he's gonna be on a preseason number five or top five team. And so either way, he's got a great situation in front of him. Um, you know, obviously he's gonna make the decision that he thinks is best for himself, but I'm intrigued on the feedback that he gets from NBA teams here in this next week or so. Um which will obviously help him base his decision on returning to school. Yeah, you know, from a, a financial standpoint, there's no scenario in this NBA draft where he makes more than returning to college because the NIL money right now, it is outrageous, especially for national player of the year type players such as himself. However, if he is to return to college, is there something he could do to advance his game that could make him more valuable next time around or is it going to be more of a perhaps uh similar to like an oscar shibway where it's like hey you know what you're one year older now you're about 23 years old or so still at the the cusp of being drafted or not drafted yeah i, I lean towards the latter um you know i think a lot of his decision comes down to just what experience is he looking for like does he want to jump start his pro career and try to you know, grind through the G League and get to the NBA a year earlier? Or does he want to go, you know, does he have a bad taste in his mouth from that NCAA tournament? And does he want to, you know, does he want to try to uh, get some revenge there and, and, you know, go try to win a national championship next season? So there's there's a lot of, of questions up in the air um, about, you know, what is he looking for? But I, I don't see where he could really improve a draft stock much just based on where NBA's at and his size and, limitations like you know he's not going to be able to make himself a ton quicker laterally or anything like that you know if Purdue switched ball screens this year and you know he was just gangbusters there against dynamic guards maybe that could but I don't see Matt Painter uh sacrificing his entire defensive strategy uh just so Zach Eady might be able to move up a couple draft spots so I I think it would be tough for him to really um improve his stock much this season but I don't I don't even know if that's what it would, would factor into it as much as it would just be like, you know, I want to go have a great college experience and, like you said, make more money than I would uh, kind of grinding through the G League or something. Yeah, as soon as I got upset 16 versus 1, I just put out, I'm like, look, Zach Eady really needs to come back for his final year, try to have a redemption tour in terms of coming back, and maybe Purdue can have a deep run. Maybe they even win a championship next year. Who knows? But I'm just saying okay. I think it would make a lot more sense for him to come back and enjoy that senior year because that college moment, he's never going to have that again. So just embrace that moment while you got it. So my last question for you, before we let you go here, Tony, if you could give me a player comp in terms of like NBA style, maybe not exactly the player, but a, a couple different players for each college a uh, prospect we talked about here, Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, and Jalen Hutchfino, I would love to hear your thoughts on players you think they can kind of compare to in the NBA. Yeah. With Trace Jackson Davis, um, you know, he has always been one that I've said like a loony, like just okay. somebody that like doesn't have to shoot at a bunch, um, can catch lobs, good defender, can screen, um, just does all of the little things. Like if he can go be a loony on a contending team, like I think that's a tremendous place to be um, and a great NBA career. So he that's somebody that for as long as I've been thinking Trace Jackson Davis like could be a viable NBA player. That's always kind of the comp that I've gone back to. I'm curious what you guys might think about that. 
Uh, I mean, I, I think that'd be awesome. I and mean, what we just saw at a Kavon Looney would be fantastic. Obviously, it took a, quite a few years to be able to get there. But the play that we just saw in the postseason was unbelievable. I mean, from a rebounding standpoint, that is the reason why he's sticking around with the Golden State Warriors playing the minutes that he's playing. So every team needs a player to really do that tough work. Kavon Looney, we're not asking him to shoot. I mean, no one's asking him to shoot threes. You know, they know his strengths. So, you know, if he could turn into that, I think that there's a, a huge role for him in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kravitz, Kravitz, when we had him on, compared him to Draymond Green a little bit, like a poor man's Draymond. I, I kind of said a poor man's DeMontis Sabonis with a little bit more defense to his game just because of the, the pick and roll situation, the passing, that kind of thing. And once again, I'm going to reiterate it on this one. I'm not saying he's anywhere close to all-star level Draymond Green or Domas Sabonis, but I'm saying as a backup, he could kind of have a similar role. I think Avon Lynn is probably more realistic in terms mm-hmm. of like, I agree, you know, role. But I'm saying like, if you look at Domas, you're looking at a guy that's just a phenomenal screener. I don't think Trace is a phenomenal screener, but he's a good screener. Uh, Domas is a, a phenomenal passer. I, I think that Trace is a good passer. So like a much less version of Domas, but I just think similarities are there. And I'm not, and I think he's probably a little bit more athletic than Domas because, you know, Domas isn't catching lobs or anything like that. So, no. you know, just, I think their feel for the game kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, like, you know, like you mentioned, just the, the tools that he has, mm-hmm. um, you know, and obviously, um, you know, with Domas's shooting, uh, um, you know, being kind of up and down, I'm, I'm intrigued on, um, what Trace can do there because NBA yeah. teams are going to probably tell him like take that shot versus mm-hmm. at Indiana it's like hey just go drive it and you're going to go get a bucket yeah um, exactly he didn't need to take that shot but also Alex your point over there the tough part is is when it's like Sabonis in the prime of his career at an all NBA level like that you know I think he finished like fifth in MVP votes that's when it always gets tough to make that type of comparison. But I understand in terms of some of the qualities yeah. that you're trying to bring about there. Um, but, Tony, my last question is, what was your initial thoughts earlier today? We saw Pacers assistant coach, former, uh, Calvert Chaney, now go back to Indiana to be the director of player development. I mean, what were your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, from a Indiana perspective, you know, bet, number one scorer in the Big Ten uh, coming back home for for the second time, um, director of player development when he you know he had a player development role with the Pacers I believe um, to have that in your toolbox as a college program um, that's recruiting high level players that have aspirations to be in the NBA that can only help you um, not not that's just from a recruiting standpoint and then from an actual player development standpoint you know it's it's somewhere that if you look at Indiana in the last decade. Um, they've struggled a bit there, you know, have gotten some some four stars and five star guys into the program um, that didn't progress as you maybe would have liked them to. Now, under Mike Woodson, I feel like that is that's changed a bit. But when you bring a guy from an NBA player development perspective into your program, um, you know, certainly cannot hurt. And then, you know, being that it's Calvert Chaney for Indiana, um, obviously uh, everybody's excited. That's an Indiana University basketball fan just based on, you know, what he was able to do as an Indiana basketball player. Yeah, and and I agree with you completely there. I do want to go quickly back to the question that I had asked you because I was curious about the pro comps for Jalen Huchifino and Zach Eady. Don't want to miss out on those two. Just so give me those two real quick. 
Yeah, Jalen Hodgefino. I'll stick with kind of a Pacers theme. I see kind of like a George Hill in him. Okay. Very tall, long, ball handler. Can shoot it a little bit. Um, maybe not as athletic as George Hill, but kind of has a nice change of speed, change of direction to him. Um, you know, going to run a team. And, you know, George Hill kind of started in a sixth-man role. Like, I think – I can't remember what pick he was with the Spurs, but it was later in the first round, I believe. Yeah. I think it was 28-29, uh, something like that. Yeah, that's right around there. Back end, for sure. And so I could see, you know, Jalen Hutchfino being like that, you know, just tall, long guard that can kind of play some combo guard if, if he's alongside another ball handler. Um, that's somebody that, you know, if you reach George Hill as your ceiling in the NBA, it's – Pretty solid good. career there. Yeah. How how tall is Hachapino? Is he six five, six six? I think he measured it six, like six, six four and three quarters or something yeah, without okay. shoes on with at the combine. Shoes. So probably with um, shoes, he's six six. So you can probably guard a little bit up higher. Probably guard some threes in, in today. I mean, I think that George Hill being a long guard makes sense. I, I definitely think that him being able to be a little bit taller though does help potentially guarding another position because I don't know if George could guard threes just because he's a little bit shorter, but that's an interesting to me. And then Zach Eady, I, I I don't know what kind of pro comp we have for Zach, but I'm curious what you got. Yeah. Maybe like I'm trying to think of somebody that was tall with his skill. Um, you know, like a Greg Oden, like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> per, perhaps like just, just tall skilled. I mean, Greg Oden was an absolute dominant he was a beast. Yeah. He was. Just, that, that's Jake. like the worst. Like, that's some, like one of the most unfortunate injuries. Like I, I feel so bad for Portland. Uh, obviously, like you got to take him at that point because that's when bigs were so dominant. And I mean, Kevin Pritchard was the GM of that team at the time, and so he took him over to Rant, and they had Aldridge, they had Brandon Roy the year before. So it's like it did kind of make sense. They already had two scorers go out and get Odin this dominant big, and it just unfortunately had injuries. You know, Odin in today's NBA, you're right. I mean, he, he's not a first round pick probably. Which is crazy because I mean he was yeah. like he was like come the second like coming of you know, like yeah <laughs> he was supposed to be the next big man I mean even yeah. the fact of you know as a freshman taking Ohio State to the national championship it just felt like a, a you could not miss on this type of prospect obviously we know what happened and uh, yeah it just shows that in my opinion I feel like that was right when the NBA was changing you know that was that was two thousand seven. And a couple of years later, I mean, you could see a common theme where I think the next year, you know, Derrick Rose is going at the top of the draft and and so on. And you're John Walls and, and all of those type of, you know, guards compared to the big men. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what about it, Boban? Like, what about Boban? Yeah. I I don't I don't know what Boban looked like like prior to Either his NBA career. Yeah, I'm just talking about like who he is now. You I, know. Yeah, I could absolutely see a role like that for, for Edie. Um you know, I I think he finds his a place in the NBA. Like mm. he's he's so skilled and so massive. Like somebody will say, like even if he's ten minutes a game, just to like give a team a different look or something. Mm. Like I think he finds a place, whether that's this year or next year. I think somebody, you know, either takes him late in the second round or un undrafted, and he finds his way into a summer league and maybe showcases that he's got you know some touch outside or something. But I think he'll find a place in the NBA. Uh, Mike Woodson also said the same. Um, you know, he was he was guy this? that was in the NBA for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love love me some Woody, and I, I think that uh, it's been huge for IU in terms of, you know, having Woodson come over from the Knicks and everything that he's brought with that. But as it relates to a comparison, we've talked about Boban. Who do you think has the longer NBA career, Zach Eady 
or Boban because Boban started in 2015 while he was never great, very solid role player in many different destinations. How how old was Boban when he came in the NBA? Uh, let's see. Right now he is 34, and it's been about eight, eight years, years. I guess 26. Yeah, he, so yeah. he was older too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, with bigs, I always worry about the knees. Yeah, um, of course. And and so you know, with Zach Eady not coming into the NBA, you know, until he's 23, 24, I would have to go Boban. Um, you know, eight eight, eight years in the NBA, like that's that's a what double like the average lifespan of an NBA career. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. some of those years, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, one year, you know, eight points per game, five rebounds, like always shot a really good percentage, and just you know, he was able to. You know, he, Boban's one of those classics. His Per 36 minutes is always off the <laughs> charts, even though he's never going to ever play that much. Well, I think one thing you got to look at with Boban is just his locker room presence and how much of a connective guy he's been in terms of chemistry. So if Edie can kind of find his niche there and be like this glue guy for this, that could be the case for him. Or he could have a similar career to a guy like Taco Fall, you know, kind of like a journeyman. People are intrigued by his high what he can do, like he's a freak athlete, but does he really fit? And it's like, yeah, you know, you know, like Taco Fall had his moments and they're like, okay, let's see what he can do. But eventually Taco ended up falling out of the league. I think he's in the G League now. If not, he's overseas. I can't even. He's overseas. Okay, uh, yeah. I could. I don't even remember what happened to him. I just remember there was like the Celtics fans were like, they love Taco, him. Taco, you know. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I think Edie will be. He'll be like this like giant that fans just fall in love with. But I don't know if he'll translate to the NBA. I, I feel bad for him, though, because I, I do think, like, even in the combine, there was a video of him with that set three-point shot, and he hit, like, five or six in a row in the video. His form didn't look bad, you know, but it's a very slow release, no no jumping on it. It's a set shot. If he can knock that down on occasion, like a 25%, like, is that enough to, like, maybe keep him on a roster for a little bit? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I thought he looked faster. Than, than I anticipated uh, in some of those drills. Um, yeah. But, you know, here's what I'll say about Taco Fall versus Zach Eady. Is Zach Eady was far more gifted offensively Very than Taco. So he at least has that going for him. So that, that to me is all I have to say about that. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on Zach Eady or anything like that. I'm not trying to say he's a Taco Fall type of player. But just saying, like, when you see big giants like that in today's NBA, unless you're like a Victor Wimbanyama you know, or a Giannis, like a freak like that. It's it's tough. So, uh, Tony, I want to thank you so much for coming on, making your Setting the Pace debut. Let everybody know where they can find you at on social media and then promote any of the work you've put out in terms of uh, these guys in the draft or, or, you know, stuff coming up for IU. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, it's it's I always love talking about IU guys, but if, you know, when I have opportunities to talk Pacers as well, that's uh, also exciting. But on Twitter, I'm at Coach Adrania. That's primarily where I do a lot of my stuff. And then I'm also part of uh, Assembly Call, which is uh, a great group of guys that, you know, we do some post-game shows or we do a post-game show after every IU basketball game. And then uh, we have Assembly Call Radio every Thursday um, and then a website community on that, all that good stuff. But at Coach Adrania on Twitter is where I do a lot of my film room stuff. Um, you know, during the IU season, I'll break down IU's film, uh, show you sets that they do. Um, you know, player breakdowns, things like that. So um, try to get a little bit more um, than like superficial analysis, I guess. Um, try to go a little bit deeper um, into some IU stuff, but also do some other college basketball stuff. And you'll find me tweeting about Pacers games as well. Um, so uh, all, all good stuff. But appreciate you guys having me on more than anything. Uh, had a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Tony, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and that's just real quick, Coach Adrania. That's Coach A D R A G N A. A D R A G N A. Make sure you guys spell that right because you don't want to miss out. We'll put a tag on our social media when we post it out there so you guys know where to follow them. But if you're not on Twitter, you're listening to this just via your podcast app. You're like, what'd they say again? So it's Coach A D R A G N A. I just great follow on Twitter. Has some awesome threads. So make sure you guys check that out. And uh, Tony, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.